0: World Economic Forum's efforts towards a world government, the need for digital identities to enhance a cashless society, Joe Biden using banks to force his climate change agenda, and Europeans fighting for their sovereignty. All prophetic, all in today's headlines, and we will discuss these and many other topics on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. I'm going to start off with world government today. And you might be thinking, well, hey, we're here in the United States. Why do I care about world government? Believe it or not, world government is being pushed in the United States, in our businesses, in our schools, and a lot of people don't even have a clue. Even some business owners. Don't have any idea. And so I wanted to share this with you today because the Bible says there's going to be a world government established and in power at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I don't want it. I don't want it in the United States whatsoever. But it's being pushed here. So we need to talk about it. As you know, many of you know, the global elites have been for decades working assiduously to create a world government. And the goal is a global governing system so all inclusive and, you know, minutely detailed that it will control all aspects of every person's life and uh, the majority of nations on the earth. I mean, you guys know what we teach about the United States, Jordan, and Israel, maybe some other nations. But they're, the, the Antichrist goal will be to control every person's life. And this is what the elites are trying to do right now. The the globalists, these ones trying to create a world-governing body. The intention is to eventually regulate all individual production and consumption patterns with the ultimate objective of thought manipulation resulting in absolute obeisance and allegiance to this one world governing body and this Antichrist that's coming. So the outcome of these efforts is the formation of international institutions specifically designed to govern the world. Not to govern the United States, not a specific nation, not Israel, not China, not uh, Canada, but to govern the planet. You can see this happening on our news. I mean... These include many of the recognizable organizations you hear about all the time, uh, the United Nations, the International Monetary Fund, International Criminal Court, the World Bank, World Health Organization, the World Trade Organization, even NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization is part of that. And that's just to name a few. You've heard about NATO a lot recently lately with the Ukraine-Russia conflict, right? Well, NATO's part of it they become almost the, the military arm, if you will, of the United Nations in, in some cases. But then you've heard the term New World Order, right? Well, New World Order is world government. After World War II, just give you, I'll give you a little background and then I'll bring you right up to date really quick here. After World War II, the United States led the efforts to create this New World Order and for the past, what, seven-plus decades now, has been the principal driver of that world-governing body. Every administration since the founding of the United Nations, whether Republican or Democrat, up until President Trump was elected, has fully supported the new world order or this world-governing body. Yes, the Bushes. Yes, Clinton. Yes, President Obama. Yes, President Biden. It goes all the way back. Even to the point where, before it was over with, Ronald Reagan acknowledged the need for a United Nations. Now, because of their wielding vast amounts of international power, along with remember, right after World War II, along with the four other victor nations of World War II, um, China, France, Russia... Uh, the United Kingdom, and the United States, those are the big five, the five permanent members of the United Nations Security Council, they have veto power over any Security Council resolution. So since we, the United States, forged the global governing system, we've also put our money where our mouth is, right? I mean, you know, for years, the United States remained the largest donor to the United Nations, we contributed as much as uh, ten billion dollars, which was roughly one of their um, one fifth of their collective budget, because we were the principal driver behind this entity. Remember, the Franklin Delano Roosevelt um, commissioned Alger Hiss, a communist spy, to be the architect for the charter of the United Nations. So, the United States was the principal driver behind this. We also fund um, the, uh, one of the, lo- the largest percentage of NATO. Again, basically the, the United Nations global military arm a- until Donald Trump come along and said, hey, we're, we need all the rest of these nations to pay their fair share. But uh, prior to that, we were footing most of the bill. They weren't paying their fair share. Um, and we paid a lot of it. We paid close to a quarter of the, of the budget. And I think it was like between 22 and 23%. So needless to say, the United Nations, or I'm sorry, the United States is intricately involved in the establishment of a world governing system. Again, until President Trump came along and said, no, nah, we're not going to let any government outside of the United States control us. We're America first. That's what all, everything was going on. America first, America first, and these globalists. These elitists that have tried to are trying to establish a world governing body. They howled at the moon. They said we've got to get rid of him at all cost. I don't care if we've got to you know have say that there's we've got a spy on him and say there's uh, Donald Trump Russian collusion and all this other. The elites even in our country had to get rid of him at all cost. Now, over the last seventy plus years, the world has looked to America for leadership in the implementation of this new world order agenda. Of course, again, I I gotta keep saying this because Donald Trump woke us up. He woke America up to what really was going on. That's one of the good things that he did while he was in office. He did a lot of good stuff. I don't agree with everything that he did, but he did do a lot of good stuff. And one of the things he did do was to wake America up as to how we were being, our sovereignty, our, our rights were being sold out to this world governing body much of our wealth was being being redistributed, and it was all by grand design by these people who are trying to create a world governing body. The Bible says this will be in power at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, and it's being established as we speak. And We'll get into it more after the break.
1: Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you.
2: Major Internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search Into the H Plus in the App Store or Google Play.
0: If you look at what's going on in this new world order that's being created, you almost have to look at all the presidents from 1945 until today, and you almost have to take Donald Trump out of that. Because up until President Obama, we're the leader. We're pushing world government, world government. And then here comes Donald Trump. He starts pulling us out. And then Joe Biden gets in, and here we go. Day one, he starts pushing, he starts trying to undo everything Donald Trump did and push us right back into world government. Redistributing the wealth of the United States, pushing us into the Paris Climate Agreement, all these different, um, pushing his LGBTQ agendas, which comes from the United Nations, all of these things. We've, they signed on to the Sustainable Development Goals, and that was to make everything, everybody on the earth equal. But really what they're doing is they're causing chaos in an effort to control everybody. That's what's going on. And we feel that chaos in America today, right? So really until today, 2022, skip the Trump administration. I I mean, we just, if you look at it in the grand scheme, we're headed right back in there. We've been the leader of not just NATO or the United Nations, but of all these multilateral institutions designed to govern the world collectively, a global state answering to a world-governing body. However, Bible prophecy foretells a completely different political atmosphere in the end time. According to the prophecies, uh, there is going to be a world government established just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, but the United States will not be in full compliance with that agenda. Okay. So if you look at the the prophesied world government in the end time, 650 years, uh, or about what? Just about 2,500 years ago now. 650 years before John wrote the book of Revelation, the prophet Daniel was given a vision of four beasts. They represented kingdoms or nations that would exist at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is why there's a big difference then in Daniel 7 and Daniel 2. Everybody says, never, well, I know a lot of people teach that Nebuchadnezzar's vision and the beast in Daniel 7 are the same thing. They absolutely are not. Nebuchadnezzar's vision was beasts that would rule the world during their era. Daniel 7 are beasts that would be in power at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Two totally different sets of entities, except for the feet of iron mingled with clay and the toes... They're the same thing, the revived Holy Roman Empire, as the ten horns in Daniel 7. So, that's just a, man, a quick update there. <laughs> because, I've, man, I, over the weekend, I've heard some teachings and read some stuff, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, just trying to figure out what everybody is teaching and uh, wanting to know the truth. So, the four beasts described in Daniel 7, 4 through 7, and the modern-day modern nations that they symbolize, Again, many of you know this, they're a lion with uh, eagle's wings, that's Great Britain and the United States. The bear, Russia, four-headed leopard, Germany, and the ten-horned beast, which symbolizes the current reborn Holy Roman Empire or the current European Union. And I'll get into that in detail if I have enough time in today's program, because uh, there's a huge body fighting against, yielding up their sovereignty to this European superstate. But let me finish with this ESG stuff and the world government, and then we'll, then we'll get to that if we have time. If not, I may cover some of it on uh, Wednesday. Doug and Vince will be on tomorrow. So in Revelation, John uses the same symbols uh, of nations to describe the end-time world government. In John's account, these four separate nations in Daniel 7 have federalized into one big, large, global governing body. Uh, John said, and I stood up on the sand of the sea saw a beast, a beast, not four beasts, but a beast, a singular beast, rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns. These symbolize the nations that will be involved in this world-governing body. And John said, And upon his horns, which would be the European Union, symbolic, were ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast, which I saw, was like unto a leopard, the modern-day nation of Germany. His feet were as the feet of the bear, Russia. Mouth as the mouth of the lion, Great Britain. And the dragon, Satan, gave him his seat, power, and great authority. That's uh, Revelation 13, 1 through 2. So this is simply a 2,000-year-old prophecy of a world government that is currently being established. Now, if you don't follow some of this stuff real close... You could wake up one day and everything's in place and you could say, oh my goodness, how in the world did we get here, right? So I want to share something with you today that is happening even here in the United States. It's happening with some of the most recognizable wealthy corporations on the planet. And it is, it is the um, this comes from the town hall a reputable source, reliable source. And the title of the article is The World Economic Forum. You know, The World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab. The World Economic Forum's woke war on our businesses. And, man, I've, wa- I've been wanting to cover this for a long time because it goes right along with world government. And what I wanted to do was to try, uh, to tie, because if you've heard Glenn Beck at all over the last year, He's been talking about ESG, environmental, social justice, governance. But what I wanted to do, and I understand that, and I'm going to get to that, but I wanted to tie ESG in with the Sustainable Development Goals and the United Nations' propaganda, their plan to rule the world. And they've got to get control of our banks, control of our businesses, because if they can control our economy, then they've got us, right? Right? And this goes into the Mark of the Beast. I'm going to get into all of it. So the article from Town Hall. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go through some of the article, go through some scripture, talk about prophecy, a little bit more of the article, more scripture, more prophecy. So here we go. If you want to read the article for yourself, again, it's from the Town Hall, and it's called the World Economic Forum's Woke War on Business. So the author says, hey, it took some time, for the authoritarian ideas of the World Economic Forum to become exoriated in the mainstream press. But one of the most nefarious elements of stakeholder capitalism, you've heard about me talk about that many times, They're try, the, the Council for Inclusive Capitalism, all this Build Back Better you hear about, the Great Reset, much of that is about reinventing capitalism in the image of this little... Uh, world-governing body and, and making it a softer capitalism leaning towards socialism. They want to move us off of shareholder on a stakeholder capitalism, okay? Not where capitalism or, or the profits of a business is for the shareholders, the investors, but it's for the community as a whole. It's wealth redistribution, okay? The government and community would say how the profits are distributed, not the shareholders. Okay. Now, you talk about a uh, a recipe for disaster. Imagine impl- implementing that here in the United States. We would be Venezuela in no time. So, the author says one of the most nefarious elements of stakeholder capitalism is the universal environmental, social and government, ESG scores. So, What are ESG scores? And and could they be a gateway to a social credit system? Something like what's going on in China. A social credit score, but for our businesses here in the United States. So, the author says, Stakeholder capitalism is World Economic Forum founder Klaus Schwab's model for imposing his ethical prescriptions onto free market exchange. Now, much of my prophecy conferences... Um, that, I, that I'm that i teaching this year is going to be about this because this is happening in the United States and we do not want any part of this. You say, well, what can we do? Well, hey, the truckers are making a difference, right? They're resisting. We don't want this in the United States. So much of what I'm talking about in my conferences is the Antichrist socialistic kingdom and it's going down all these roads in great detail. And again, uh, I should announce this weekend... I'll be in um, the Rock Church of Justin, Justin, Texas. Uh, this is February 26th at 6 to 8 p.m. I'll be teaching the Antichrist Socialistic Kingdom. That's at uh, in Justin, Texas, 411 Ludi Avenue, L-E-U-T-Y. So that's this coming Saturday night, Sunday morning. I'll be back there at 10 a.m. doing Breaking Prophecy News and Q&A. It's always a great time. This is the conference that we postponed a couple weeks ago because of the ice storm in Texas? Well, we're going to have it this weekend. So go to endtime.com, go to the uh, events, conferences, check us out. We'll be up in uh, Justin. Last year we had an awesome conference. The church was packed out and we had a great time. So uh, join us up in Justin, Texas this weekend. We'll be talking about this, but in more detail actually. So the article goes on to say, businesses will no longer be beholden to the prevailing Shareholder, the primacy model of profit maximization, which is not a bad thing. They demonize this, but this is what's made America. Now I should be on. If, if you, as far as financially, the wealthiest the wealthiest nation on the planet in just a short two hundred and what forty plus years. Is that if you want to build a build a business, make a profit, you took all the risk. You deserve the rewards, right? So people say, hey, this is the American dream. I want to come in here. I want to start a business. I want to work hard. And I want to reap the benefits of that. I want to take my family on vacations and whatever. But a socialistic or a, a communistic, fascist, whatever, um, ideology would say, no, no. You're taking too much. The community as a whole needs it. We need to redistribute that well, and that's what leads to poverty. So instead, they say, the more socially conscious stakeholders, stakeholder capitalism, or shareholder to stakeholder, these experts in fields like environmental sustainability, racial and gender equity, and increased immigration. This is what we need to look at. This is what we need to focus on. Now, get this. The article says, these stakeholder criteria, this ESG environmental, social justice, governance, which is what they're going to make these companies give a report on. Hey, here's how we are, uh, our business is aligned up with your uh, environmental. How are we helping the environment? How are we helping to push social this wealth redistribution schemes and governance? How are we uh, becoming woke companies like this woke world government. That's what these ESG scores are all about. So the article says these stakeholder criteria of this ESG they are determined, here it is and this is, this is what I wanted really to prove this ESG criteria are determined by the UN's 17 sustainable development goals including the elimination of all poverty in other words, wealth through distribution Relative and absolute. Gender equality. Pushing LGBTQ agendas. That's what that's all about. Because there's only two agendas. There's only two genders, folks. There's male and female. God made it, said it was good, and this is the way I want the thing to run. Satan's been trying to pollute that all along. So, because now there are people that say there are hundreds of genders, there's an endless amount of genders. I don't even see how that's possible. But yet, because they've created this problem, now they say we've got to push gender equality and economic equity, redistribution of wealth between nations. And this is an aspect of Klaus Schwab's great reset of, he says, because of COVID-19, we need this great reset of capital. We need to reinvent capitalism. Think about that. So he's just using a crisis to push his agendas. And I've got a um, video I'll be showing Saturday night of Klaus Schwab saying, hey, after the 50, 50 years or so of the World Economic Forum, the one thing I'm most proud of is that stakeholder capitalism has become mainstream. This wealth redistribution schemes and all this other stuff. So he's a globalist. And so... Sustainable Development Goals. If you don't know, the Sustainable Development Goals were unanimously adopted by 193 member states of the United Nations, including the United States under the Obama administration back in 2015. The goals make up the international community's 15-year socialistic blueprint of global governance for every person on the planet. They even named it The Transforming Our World, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. And the goals are a they're really a a universal policy agenda designed to convert the nations of the world into a global community governed by the United Nations. And of course, the agenda is comprised of these 17 main sustainable development goals, but they're accompanied by 169 focused targets designed to manage the planet. And yes, I did say it was socialistic because the plan includes a socialistic principle of wealth redistribution. They even state that the reduction of inequality will only be possible if wealth is shared and income inequality is addressed. This is exactly what shareholder going to stakeholder capitalism does. But they try to make it sound really just kind of soft and soothing right we want a council for inclusive capitalism we're going to call it capitalism but we're just going to let the government and the community redistribute the profits off of a business imagine how long that profit or that business will last
3: whether it's a global pandemic threat of war or floundering economies end time events are happening around the world every day how can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty
0: Global governance, the sustainable development goals. You've got to understand these because they, they want to globally govern every aspect of every person on earth. And the plan even states, we commit to making fundamental changes in the way our societies produce, consume goods and services. Governments, international organizations, the business sector, and other non-state actors and individuals must contribute to changing unsustainable consumption and production patterns. So here's the ruse. They say humans are using the earth's resources at such a rate that nothing will be left for future generations. And therefore, hey, guess what their, uh, the um, solution is to this, right? It's always world government. The United Nations The seat of that world government must establish a master plan to govern the earth's citizens. They say it must, in true socialistic form, redistribute the wealth of the world so that everyone is considered equal. That, That would bankrupt the America, what they're trying to do. They want to control the production and consumption of every person. What your business produces... How much you consume, what you consume, what your kids eat for uh, school lunch, I mean every aspect they want to achieve universal health care. Have you heard of that? They want to control the climate. Have you heard of that? They want to manage our cities and infrastructures. Um, they want to govern the oceans and they want they want to govern land usage along with all ecosystems. so this is sustainable development goals, and this is world government. Okay? Now, continue on with, with this uh, World Economic Forum article. Klaus Schwab asks us to envision a world where these values are totalized across every sector. The union of monopolistic business and government policy is a core tenet of fascism. You understand? Under lockdowns, businesses and governments accrued unprecedented power and profits while we were under house arrest. There were people getting fabulously wealthy because of this. Politicians have stocks and shares in many of the businesses they legislate against, and big businesses support measures like universal corporation tax rates to impair their opposition. So they're they're all working, I mean, they've all got their hands in each other's pockets is what's going on. The unification of the public and private spheres to form a national body, politic, a corpus, is the etymology of the term corporation. As emissaries of the World Economic Forum's ethic, all commerce and governing bodies become organs of an, listen at this term, International state, not the state of Texas, not the state of Indiana or Florida, but in a global state, which every, everything everybody's working for, and nothing is outside or against that. You hear that terminology, folks? Now, Revelation thirteen three, the Bible says, when this world governing beast, all the world wondered after the beast. Revelation 13, 7-8. And it was given unto him to make war against the saints and to overcome them. And power was given to him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. An international state. Irvin Baxter and I and Doug and Vince have been talking about this for a very, very long time. A global state doing away with the borders and creating a global state that answers to a world-governing body. This is the goal of the World Economic Forum shareholder-to-stakeholder propaganda, folks. Now... Also, consider the world religion. Revelation 13, 11, and 12. John said, After I beheld the Antichrist and the world governing beast in Revelation 13, 1 through 8, he says, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, spake like a dragon. So he's going to look like a Christian religious individual, but yet he's going to have a very deceptive, propaganda, lying message. And what's his goal? Well, he's going to exercise all the power of the first beast before him. Where does the Antichrist and the false prophet, the Bible say, he gets his power from? The dragon, which is Satan. So this false religious leader, he's going to use that power as well. But what's his goal? To cause the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. That's going to be the the goal of the world religion. And you say, well, what's that got to do with today's program? Because one of the most recognizable religious figures on the planet is advocating for the Sustainable Development Goals and ESG, this reporting method, this environmental, social justice, and governance. They're all in cahoots. According to their website, the Council for Inclusive Capitalism with the Vatican is an effort led by some of the world's largest investment and business leaders launched today. It signifies the urgency of joining moral and market imperatives to reform capitalism into a powerful force for the good of humanity under the moral guidance of Pope Francis. The New York Times reported that the Vatican and business have come together and that they say, and I'm quoting from the New York Times, it may seem an unusual pairing. Big businesses and Pope Francis a pontiff who has repeatedly criticized capitalism in scathing terms. But they announced a new partnership, the latest sign of the growing influence of, here it is, environmental, social, and governance. ESG. These practices in business. These reporting methods to show how these businesses are aligning themselves to these global governing aspirations. Remember, the article from the town hall said that social, uh, the um, sustainable development goals are what's driving these things. So in the article, uh, the, uh, their website, the Council for Inclusive Capitalism, it says, meet the Council for Inclusive Capitalism with the Vatican, a group of businesses, investors, and other groups that represent $2.1 trillion in market cap and 200 million employees. The group has announced pledges towards environmental and sustainable business goals that fit into the ESG movement with France, Pope Francis' blessing. Again, they're all in this thick as thieves, everybody. The I, The 27 leaders of the council are known as guardians for inclusive capitalism and include... A.J. Banga of MasterCard, Mark Benioff of Salesforce, Brian Moynihan of Bank of America. And they will meet each year with Pope Francis and Cardinal Peter Turkson, who leads the Vatican Department dealing with many social issues. And Pope Francis has said, an economic system that is fair, trustworthy, and capable of addressing the most profound challenges facing humanity, and our planet is urgently needed. It says, The group is the brainchild of Linda Forrester-Girashchild, the businesswoman who has backed ventures to promote so-called inclusive capitalism in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. Among them is Inclusive Capital Partners and ESG-focused activist hedge fund co-founded by, uh, with Jeff Ubin. So these and many other efforts are the ongoing efforts, folks, of the prophecy of the establishment of a world government just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I wanted to, to bring a few more excerpts from the article. It says that, and I'm quoting, this is from the Town Hall article businesses will be subjected. Now, okay, all you business owners, listen up. Businesses will be subjected to performance evaluations concerning compliance with ESG, Environmental Social Justice and Governance, these targets, to ensure their continued eligibility for World Economic Forum Partnership perks. Now, right now, they're dealing with some of the most... um, recognizable businesses, investment firms on the planet. Some of them, and I'm going to give a very small, there's tons of them. Some of the businesses are BlackRock, the investment firm, Vanguard, Fidelity Investments, Capital Group, State Street, um, Toyota, Microsoft, Texas Instruments, J.B. Hunt, Sherwin-Williams, Eli Lilly, Apple, Mattel, uh, the toy corporation, Costco, Chipotle, and I mean the list goes on and on and on and on. Those are some of the very recognizable ones. And this involves, this ESG involves gathering data on their employees, on customers, and it requires a vast digital infrastructure with algorithms tracking everything from purchasing habits to demographic trends. And your consumer behavior will be scored on its carbon footprint and, and many, many other things. The disparity between the targets and a business performance will provide an incentive for businesses to nudge their consumer or their customer bases toward partaking in what they see as ethical and sustainable consumer behaviors. If you go to the websites of, let's say, BlackRock and I think Vanguard, many of them, They will have a whole section on ESG. Here's what our company is doing to push environmental, social justice, and governance with our business. So they're working right along with the World Economic Forum, all these different things, pushing these. And they're getting down into businesses, folks. And to accelerate the process, businesses will form special interest lobbying groups to pressure governments into passing legislation that increases compliance with environmental and social policies. So the the, the United Nations and the Sustainable Development Goals, they're getting pushed into our society, but they're not calling them Sustainable Development Goals. They're calling an ESG. They're willing right along the same train track. Eventually, boycotts will be done on your behalf. Dissidents to this new public-private ideology. Now, let me slow down right here dissidents to this new public-private ideology will not be able to buy from any business working with the World Economic Forum. You hear that? Now you're talking about economically sanctioning individuals. Given the World Economic Forum's partnerships with governments, uh, monopolistic enterprises like Amazon and Silicon Valley, social media giants, and international bodies like the World Health Organization, World Trade Organization that will be the majority of businesses. That, hey, if you don't want to comply, we're not going to allow you to purchase our goods and services. Now, what does that bring up? I've talked about world government, talked about world religion. That brings up the mark of the beast, folks. And Revelation chapter 13, verse 16 through 17. So you're talking about a world government being implemented, Bringing on one of the most recognizable religious figures on the planet, Pope Francis, to help get this thing across the finish line and get the religions involved. And now you're going to economically sanction people to get them on board with all of this. Sounds kind of prophetic, doesn't it? Talk about it more when we get back.
4: I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room.
0: Now, what I just went through was the town hall article saying that anybody who was a dissident who didn't want to comply would not be able to buy from these corporations, folks. Economic sanctioning. When I read this article over the weekend, I thought, oh, my goodness. Here it is. That we're headed straight for." The world religion, world government, mark of the beast. These are all precursors to that. Mark of the beast, Revelation 13, 16 through 17, the Bible says, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of the the name. So you're talking about economic sanctioning. Getting all the religions of the world on board, creating an international state. When I saw that, I thought we've been talking about that for years—a global state which leads to a world governing body uh, that answers to a, a global government. So we're talking about that. Plus, get this: not be, if not wanting to comply with this ESD ESG. They would be able to economically sanction individuals. But how are they going to do that if you're using cash, right? They need to get on a digital platform. Well, listen to this. This comes from the Legal Entity Identifier, LEI. The name of the article states, The missing ingredient for globally compatible ESG data collation and reporting. Standardized Digital Entity Identification. I I mean, these articles are right out there. They're real easy to find. According to EY's 2021 Global Corporate Reporting Survey, 76% of the world's major finance leaders back the need for global consistent environmental, social, and governance, ESG standards. Remember, I told you, The Town Hall article said that they're driven by the Sustainable Development Goals. They're all working towards the same goal, everybody. Stefan Wolf explains why ensuring a holistic entity identification mechanism through a global standard such as the legal entity identifier is a foundational step towards consistent, compatible, and transparent ESG reporting and data exchanges. Soon... They say there could be speakeasies for groceries, like in Lithuania, which banned those not vaccinated against COVID from supermarkets and pharmacies. Your social media post could bar you from buying essential goods. Now, Now, folks, I'm not making this up. These are legit articles that are in our news today. And the Bible says, without a certain mark, you're not going to be able to buy or sell. And like store signs swearing party support in Soviet-occupied Europe, or mom-and-pop shops begging to be spared from 2020 riots, adopting ESG scores are the new pledge of fealty to the World Economic Forum's authoritarian international Rule, But that is only if world leaders acquiesce to this public-private-corporate partnership, right? Why would prime ministers and presidents pay patronage to the unelected Bond villain, this Klaus Schwab individual in Davos, Switzerland? Well, I don't know if you guys know about this. Have you ever heard... Well, so in, in many instances, and I'll get there. In many instances... The World Economic Forum is responsible for these grooming people, for their rise, certain people through their rise through a party apparatus to elected office. Have many of you heard of the Global Leadership Fellows Program? It's the World Economic Forum's Global Leadership Fellows Program. Get this, everybody. They have coached According to this, many influential political figures in their doctrine of international corporation, utilitarian, policymaking, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Graduates of their related Young Global Leaders Initiative include... Now, you wonder how it's our United States Transport Secretary, Pete Buttigieg. You wonder how he came from nowhere. He gets into, as the mayor of South Bend, Indiana... And then from the mayor, he becomes our transport secretary of the United States. He went through this school of Klaus Schwab's. New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. French President Emmanuel Macron. The Prime Minister of Belgium. The Prime Minister of Finland. The Crown Prince of Norway. Norway. And those not listed on the website but cited by Schwab include Vladimir Putin. You ever heard of him lately? Leader of Russia. Former German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. These people have all been groomed for their positions, folks. And it says that it will be difficult to seek safe harbor from compliance with this digital commerce system when most world leaders attend the same political summer school however and they, this is and i'm quoting from this article as the canadian truckers protest goes to show the best laid plans of this global international aren't going over as well as they had hoped in their ivory tower elitism they forgot the working man and woman have more conscience than they do The Internet has liberalized access to information like the printing press did the good word from the clutches of corrupt churches back in the day. All it takes is for goods distributors, businesses, and everyday consumers to conscientiously object. Conscientiously object. And their great narrative comes undone. Now, you say, wow. Now, again, the article, it's in the town hall, and it is called The World Economic Forum's Woke War on Business. Wow. Eye-opening business. Or eye-opening article, right? But I want to assure you. You say, well, man, the United States is going to fly apart, and we're all going to die, and you know, we're all going to burn up and be pushed off into the ocean. No, we're not. The United States is missing from this world-governing body. The eagle's wings, symbolic of the United States in Daniel 7, are not mentioned in that combo beast of Revelation 13. This indicates the United States will not be included in or in full compliance with the world government of the end time. The prophecy also indicates that world dominance will have shifted to the United, from the United States to the powers of Europe. And, of course, when we've taught this, it always left us with a few questions, right? I mean, since we have always been the leader of this current world governing system, the principal driver behind that, how would that power shift occur? I mean, from the United States over to Europe? I mean, would we be wiped out in World War III? Or would we be brought to our knees... And become a non-factor on that world stage, which, you know, under the current administration, you've got to kind of ask yourself that. But on the other hand, you know, would we perhaps go into isolation? But there is a scripture that helps answer these questions. <coughs> We're not mentioned in the world governing body in Revelation 13. However, jump back one chapter to Revelation 12. And it's the only other place that eagles' wings are mentioned in the prophecies, the end-time prophecies of the Bible. Revelation 12, 13 says the dragon, when he's, well, I did a, a program last week on the war in heaven. The dragon, when he's cast out of heaven, bound to the earth, the Bible says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because Satan comes down and you having great wrath. The dragon. Revelation twelve thirteen says the dragon, when he comes down, will persecute the woman with 12 stars around her head and those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The woman is Israel and the 12 stars symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel. According to Revelation 13, the dragon Satan will use the Antichrist and his world governing system to do the persecuting. But John tells us in the next verse, Revelation twelve fourteen, that Israel will be protected during the Great Tribulation period which will occur during the final three and one-half years, immediately preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ. It says, And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into her, into her place, into the wilderness, where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time, from the face of the serpent. So a clear understanding of Revelation 12 and 13 has allowed us to be, able to be absolutely sure of two things. The United States will, will stand with Israel and protect Israel from the world government in the end time. The United States will not be part of the world government and therefore will not come under the reign, the full reign of the Antichrist. We're going to be fighting against the, in, the Antichrist. Now, what that looks like in great detail, I don't know the answer to that. And I've had so many people say, well, you know, what's going to happen in the United States? Do we store up food? Uh, what do we invest in? Blah, blah, blah. Here's the deal. From what I'm looking at it, and when I talked to my father-in-law for years, my father-in-law, and I, this is very, very important, my father-in-law embraced the unknown. I am embracing the unknown. Some things, until we live through it, there's no way that we're going to have the answer for it. God is going to make it so that we have to walk by faith. God is not going to give us every answer to every question prior to living through some of it. Because the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So God's going to make it to where we have to embrace the unknown. If you look at what the characters in the Bible... Just, it's all through the Bible. God would call them to do something and tell them to go. And they went, and then God would talk to them as they went along the way and lead and guide them. Abraham, leave your countrymen and your family. You're going to go to a place that I will show you. So when he's packing up, somebody stops by and says, hey, Abraham, where are you going? I don't know. I'm going to a place that God's going to show me. But guess what? Abraham was the father of the faithful, folks. We've got to be able to embrace the unknown and walk by faith in these end times. That's how we're going to function. I will not have every answer prior to living through some things. Now, I've got the overall picture. I understand the prophecies. We got that. And that really, really, really helps. But on some of these things, we are going to have to rely on God and embrace the unknown as we go through these end times. My father and law lived live that way people all through the Bible live that way and if we think we're going to get here right before the second coming and he's not going to require us to live that way, we're fooling ourselves. So the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Without faith it's impossible to please God. Go read Hebrews chapter 11 and all of those people, the Bible says, by faith Abraham did this. By faith Noah built an ark. By faith, by faith, by faith. That's the way we're going to live. We're going to embrace the unknown coming just ahead and we're going to walk by faith. And guess what? God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He's never left me or never forsaken me. Not one time. I've done some crazy things in my life, but God has never left me nor has he forsaken me. And I know he won't in the years just ahead.